It's after 11 p.m. on May 1st, 1971. The air is cool, but not cold. It's springtime in Washington, D.C. There's a festive feeling in the air, a welcome departure from the years of civil unrest. The marches, protests, and riots have simmered down, if just for the day, because of one man who's come home to sing for his people. Motown hero Marvin Gaye was from Washington, D.C., and earlier in the day, he had spent it getting the key to the city. He spoke to students at his former high school, and he made statements to the press about racial justice, caring for the earth, and the Vietnam War. Marvin has just taken the stage at the Kennedy Center, and it's his first concert in four years. The year before, he released What's Going On, his groundbreaking album of protest music. And the cover to that album says it all. Marvin standing in the rain, looking contemplative, pained but determined. Songs like Mercy, Mercy Me and the title track, What's Going On, are soul-filled anthems about injustice, acceptance, and love. Gay began his concert by playing his Motown favorites, but everyone's come to the Kennedy Center to hear the new songs. It's when Marvin and his band play the song Inner City Blues, Make Me Wanna Holler, that something magnificent happens. At 1 minute, 52 seconds into the song, just after the first chorus, Marvin makes a big decision. He decides to start the song all over again. But not just telling the band, hey, let's stop here and take it from the top. No, 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 no. The reason this moment was so magnificent was that he let the band continue that juicy groove that they had finally gotten into. Because what happened was, when they started the song, Initially, it was too slow. The groove is sluggish. It wasn't smooth. It wasn't elegant. But by the time they got after the first chorus, the band had found the groove and Marvin loved it. So instead of just singing the next verse and moving on, as the band is playing, Marvin tells the audience, we've got the groove now. Isn't it funky? I want us to go back and do it again with this groove. You can hear the smile in his voice as he talks to the audience and gets them excited to hear the song from the beginning again. The audience kind of leaps to their feet. They're applauding. They're cheering. I can tell you as a musician, I appreciated how challenging it was for the band to start the song all over again. It's very noisy on stage. You have the audience clapping and cheering. You've got the instruments, everything going on, all the commotion. The musicians are thinking about their parts and trying to get everybody on the same page as a feat, which is one of the many reasons why Marvin Gaye's approach that night was so sublime. First, as the band's playing and keeping that beautiful, elegant groove, Marvin introduces the band leader to the audience and gets the audience to celebrate the band leader. He then tells the band leader, hey, keep in mind all the while the band is continuing to play this tight, silky groove that he wants the whole band to return to the intro. Then he tells the band, I want to take it to the top and just get so excited about it. And just to make sure everyone on stage is following him, Marvin sings out the request, getting the audience to shout and clap along with him. Marvin counts out the tempo, one, two, three, four, and the band kicks back in from the beginning into that irresistible groove that has made that song so magical. It's the groove and energy of the music that's made anyone who's ever listened to 
the song Inner City Blues feel the pain of those people that Marvin's singing about, and yet, in the way only Marvin Gaye could, also made you feel hopeful, inspired, and full of desire to make a positive change. That moment, when Marvin Gaye decided to begin the song again, and how he did it, was mastery. He could have kept going, sang the next verse. Marvin could have scolded the band afterwards for not being on point when they kicked off the song. Could have fired the band leader. That's what other musicians would have done. Marvin could have stopped the band cold and started all over again, but that would have meant losing the groove that he wanted to preserve. Instead, Marvin Gaye brought together the audience and the band and made something beautiful. That moment was mastery. Marvin Gaye exemplified mastery of musicianship, mastery of leadership, mastery of communication, mastery of excellence, and mastery of himself to be in the moment, to be grace under pressure. I've spent the last 20 years studying people like Marvin Gaye, masters at their craft, people who transcend limits, boundaries, and expectations. I call people like Marvin Gaye misfits. Most people prefer to fit in, know their place, follow along. Then there are misfits, the curious ones, the stubborn ones. They see what could be and make it real. Misfits challenge conventional thinking and get unconventional results. They don't fit in. They stand out. Misfits are the ones who change culture, lives, history, and legacies. It's why I named my consulting and coaching company Band of Misfits, because my clients see what could be in their careers, their lives, their companies, their communities, and in themselves, and are ready to make it real. Misfits don't follow the conventional path. They don't follow conventional thinking just because everybody else is. Like this conventional way of thinking about business success. To have more success, you just simply have to do more. But doing is only half the equation. It's how you're doing it that makes the difference. In other words, your way of being. The leaders I admire most have a special way of being. It's in their presence, how they carry themselves, how they respond. Like one of this season's upcoming guests, Chrissy Scott. She is a senior vice president at a leading healthcare company. Her way of being is to be fully present, deeply engaged. And when Chrissy needs to address an issue, she does so with compassionate precision. When I coach clients, I often encourage them to set an intention for how they want to be when working on important projects, leading meetings, or even just eating dinner with their families. Our ways of being may not change what we're doing because there are things that we need to do at work and in life that, that we just don't like. But when we're intentional about how we want to be, when we do those tasks, we don't have to feel as frustrated, tense, or even worried that we're not doing the right thing. It's a high bar, but when I am in a high-stakes moment in my business life, when things are almost going sideways and I've got to kind of course correct, I remember that Marvin Gaye moment at the Kennedy Center and how he rose to the occasion. His way of being was impeccable. And I try, and I mean I truly try to be impeccable 
in my moments as well. An easy way of conceptualizing your way of being is thinking about the energy that you work with when you're doing the doing. So, for example, are you tense? Are you angry? Are you frustrated? That's intense energy. And sometimes it can give you good results. But that type of energy, I'm sure you've noticed, is pretty volatile. If your way of being in situations is to be easily frustrated, you could lose your cool, you could lose your temper, you could wreck whatever resolution you really want. But figuring out how to summon the right energy for what's going on in your business life or moment can often be challenging. Often what's getting in the way of us doing better is not knowing how to be better. That's why I do this podcast. There's plenty of content out there on learning what to do to succeed. But here on The Business of Being, we're focused on learning how to be. So keep honing your doing skills. But don't forget to get better at your being skills. And in this upcoming season, we're going to learn how to be in tough moments. And I call these tough moments leap moments. The moments when you say to yourself, I don't like certain things that are going on in my life. I'm ready to make the leap to something better. Or... I didn't see this coming. And the only thing you can do is leap and hope for something better. Those leaps can challenge our confidence, our skills, and often our ability to cope with stress and uncertainty. That's often when I meet my clients at Band of Misfits. They're ready for their companies to go to the next level, or they're ready for themselves to go to the next level, or the universe pushes them out of the nest and onto the stage, the spotlight, or simply out of their comfort zone and they're taking the leap, and they have no idea on how to get to the other side. So what I do is I leap with my clients, and I help them to get to the other side. This podcast is a way for me to help you with whatever leap you're making these days. Maybe you took the leap a while back, and you're still waiting to get to the other side. Maybe you're in midair and thinking, OMG, what the heck am I doing? Or maybe you took a leap, and it turned into a fall. And your way of being took a bruising. And it's time to heal those bruises, those cuts and scrapes. This season on The Business of Being, we're exploring making the leap. Finding the courage to make the leap. Finding the wisdom you want to have while you're making the leap. Finding the energy to make the leap. Finding the power within to make the leap. Even finding the grace to give yourself when you're making the leap. We're often so hard on ourselves, and I find it's just not that helpful. That harshness can cause us to stumble when we're making the leap. Making the leap is what we often must do if we want the kind of success we dream about, hope for, wish on, and wish would be true for us. So join me as we explore making the leap this season on The Business of Being. The first episode debuts Tuesday, May 2nd, with new episodes every Tuesday through July. You may not have the ambitions of Marvin Gaye, but in your life, in your way, I want you to have your own kind of Marvin Gaye impact. So subscribe today to The Business of Being wherever you get your podcasts, and tell your most trusted people to do the same, so together you can listen and make the leap together.
Conventional thinking says that you have to do more to succeed in business. But in reality, success is about being more. Welcome to the Business of Being, the podcast about the inner work of success, brought to you by Band of Misfits, the consulting and coaching company for modern leaders. Learn more at welcomemisfit.com. Here we are. First episode, premiere episode, in the can, Sir Isaac. There's a lot of music I would love to play underneath this bit for celebratory reasons, but (laughs) due to copyright, I will not be able to. We are back. We are back, baby. I'm very excited for this season. So excited. So, as you know, Sir Isaac, the name of the podcast is The Business of Being. It's about the inner work of success, and when I work with clients... I often say, hey, there's all these doing skills out there associated with your success. And often the doing skills are associated with your job skills or learning how to be more persuasive, et cetera, et cetera. But I always want my clients to think about their being skills. And an easy way to think about it is, how do you want to embody yourself? Or how do you want to show up? inside of the room or how do you want to handle things it's your way of being Mm. and it's kind of like a bunch of x factors and i work with my clients on those different skills but i say all this because i'm curious to know what is a way of being that you would like to embody you know if you had asked me that in season one i probably would have said confidence Mm. but lately and this is something i've been thinking about just with some books I've been reading is I think right now it's peace. Mm. I would love to embody peace, not, not indifference, not, not, not at all, but being at peace with where I'm at in relative position to my goals, life in general, and be able to facilitate that, not just for my own sake, but also for the sake of those around me. I'd rather be able to output that for the sake of those that I work with rather than just being go, 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 go. Yeah. That's, that's something I'm actually working on right now. Wow. And the people in history who have really demonstrated and embodied that sense of peace, it's not a one and done effort. It's not just one thing. It's a series of things. Oftentimes I find when people are on the path to peace, it's because they And I'm not suggesting this of you, but it's often because they're realizing that they want to end the war inside of themselves. Interesting. Yeah. And oftentimes that war looks like the uh, dragons, the inner doubt, Mm -hmm. the desire to fight, you know, because you have so much that you're fighting inside. Although I'm, I'm inferring that a lot of your embodiment of peace looks like having that state of equanimity where you don't need to change everything around you to be okay. That's that's a very good way of describing what I'm aiming for. That's a great that's a great work to embody peace. I love it. Oh, wow. Well, you now it's your turn to ask me a riveting <laughs> question that's going to get me on my toes. Well, I've been Reading books, like I said earlier, and a common theme in just about every kind of book I read is you are the five people that you surround yourself with. And if everyone says it, it must be true. But 
you know, Stephen, I've been observing you for some time over the audio and a lot of the things that you share with me. And I'm really, really curious about the five people that you've surrounded yourself to become the person that you are. And so I wanted to ask, what do you look for in a mentor or in a role model or in someone that you're willing to allow to influence you? Mm. Well, I've definitely been on a journey, oh gosh, since I began my internal work that has led to Band of Misfits, you know, first doing the work on myself and then helping others with their work. And I say that because it's just been in the last six months that I've really, really even dialed in to that truth of the five people. You know, I think Jim Rohn was the one who first coined that phrase. I'm not sure it's ever been scientifically proven, but it just seems so, it's almost like an organizing principle for the universe. It just, you know, do we even, do we even need, need to argue about it? I mean, if, if you are married to a, a toxic person, you know, of course you're going to be influenced by that, right? So you ask about what do I look for in a mentor or a coach? I would broaden that out just a little bit more because I think the same thing is true as I've come to kind of look at the people I surround myself with. I look for people who are expansive, for people who already are whole and complete on the inside. They don't need to take my light in order for them to shine better. I look for people who have a generous spirit because Frank, my mentor from back in the day, said, never ask a starving man to feed you. Wow. That's really good. I know. He is good. He's the Zen master. And it's true. That I, I, I found that I had, there were some people in my life that it was time to go because they were starving. And I tried to feed them as I tried to help everybody. But it's a different kind of being fed, right? And I just found that the way that they wanted to fill their appetite was to discount other people to make themselves feel whole and complete. Yeah, so I look for an expansive spirit, generosity of spirit. I also look for people who are uh, further ahead than I am in whatever it is that I would like to be further ahead. And that finally, the last thing that I would say, this is especially true of mentors and coaches and people that I hire. I look for people who are, how would I say it? They have a teacher's heart about them, that they really enjoy sharing wisdom in ways that somebody like me, a numbskull, can appreciate. <laughs> you don't have to agree about my numbskull qualities, I know. No, no, no. <laughs> no. But I, I'm also recently starting to address the five people around me, and I've, I've realized that it, it varies throughout the year, and I'm trying to find a pattern of picking them and picking them well. Mm. and hopefully picking them for the long term. But yeah, that, that's that's a question that I'm asking everyone right now. Just just what do you look for? How, how do I find those five? So I, I appreciate that a lot. Oh, yeah. That's a great journey to be on. You know, I, I, I tell myself all the time, just keep your eyes open to who's around you and, and, and continue to notice, are they, are they giving? Are they receiving? Um, how do I feel? 
afterwards when I'm around that person. Mm-hmm. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible the power of that influence, whether we're cognizant of that or not. That's a great dialogue. So thank you, listener, from Sir Isaac and myself and all the band of misfits. We're a consulting and coaching company for modern leaders. Come say hello at welcomemisfit.com. We make the business of being podcast to help you with the inner work of success. Help us spread the word by sharing this episode with a friend on social media and leave us a review. Until then, be well. Don't fit in. Stand out.